Hello and welcome to the Movie Moolah podcast. I'm your host, Ben Yenny, and uh, with us today is Jesus Sifuentes, who is a all-around producer out of Texas, and he's one of the many serious people we have on this con podcast to talk about serious issues in a sometimes silly way. Jesus, how are you? I'm doing well, sir. I really appreciate it the invitation and you know can't wait to talk shop see what see uh see what we can conjure up dude <laughs> cool so um just to give our viewers and or listeners because this is going to do both um a little bit of an idea about your uh track record and background because i do at least a decent amount of vetting on my guests um what is it that you focus on as a producer in texas my day job is still uh, a line producer and the line producer is the one that's responsible for doing the budget, the shooting schedule, payroll, production insurance, and managing the production once it gets financed, right? And uh, to date, I probably manage over $5 million in combination with all the productions I've ever worked with uh, as a line producer. And um, But my obsession is uh, distribution. And I got into distribution by accident, man, uh, actually out of necessity because we didn't have those resources and, and we had no clue like, OK, we finished the film. Now what? Right. So that's that's been my obsession, I would say, for the last 10 years. And uh, and just trying to it's not necessarily the formula. I mean, there is really no I guess there's some form of a formula as far as like, you know, covering your bases to make sure that, you know, you're in a position where your film can actually make some some money. Right. And um, and also to to go back to being a line producer, I specifically focus on what SAG considers an independent film, which is under two million dollars. And mm -hmm. under those two million dollars, there's three brackets that you know the budget range. Uh, there's an ultra low budget, which is from like you know seventy five k up to three hundred k. Then there's a modified budget, which is three hundred k to seven hundred k. And then we have the low budget agreement, which is 700K all the way up to 2 million. It used to be three back in the day, uh, but they made modifications. So that's that's what I specialize in, right? Now, granted, I the biggest uh, uh, film production I did, like produced, was 3.5 million. That was uh, prior to this new modification that they did. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, like one of the things that you, at least I've worked with as an executive producer is... Uh, working with line producers to keep the cost under sure. uh three five at the time um specifically to avoid step ups and actor fees because once you get beyond exactly. 350 mm -hmm. isn't it like what's the day rate um for the standard sag these days uh for under 300k it's 216 uh for 300k to 700k it's 351 and then uh then from 700k to 2 million i think it's 636 or something like that but what i can do i'll just send you that rate rate sheet that includes yeah, the great. budget range I'll just in case I'm, 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 i misspoke yeah. uh yeah. A number here or there i'll probably just leave yeah so it's very important because, yeah yeah cuz it's it's uh uh and when <laughs> It always happens, man. When the screenwriter or producer sends me a script, they got like 
30 speaking roles like bro you need to you need to cut that down bro because it's 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 gonna hurt your budget bro because you gotta pay every uh well it depends on the agreement right yeah uh, under 300k you can you can mix and match but part of sag's uh clause is that even if you hire a non-union actor you have to pay them the same rate as a as a union actor so that's the 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 rule right and then uh, in the mid tier and then the the higher tier they all have to be sag actors right uh, um but with a modified you know uh day rate there's some allowance for uh you can still tap Harley people can't you for the modified and yeah, low yeah 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 but a lot of people don't know if sag rejects it, uh rejects mm -hmm. that actor you have to pay a $500 fee so, well, <laughs> at least it's only five hundred dollars. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Specifically, if you no more than three people, right? You shouldn't have, you know, you know, people who don't have experience. But you see something, right? I, I get it because you know, as a filmmaker, there there might be somebody who just came out of the theater or just has that freaking vibe to want for that film, and but they don't have any. Uh, the TAF application and you know they're gonna for the most part every time I've heard of, of other colleagues you know they approve it you know it's mm -hmm. very rare I I actually don't think one time that you know uh, uh, there's been a, a time where somebody SAG said no yeah that's I found SAG to be mostly good to deal with actually I, I've done a decent that's amount that's super good yeah mm -hmm. yeah um, I super have easy. so is DGA yeah the DGA was great and apparently Actually, I can't tell Super that story. Um, but the uh, but I've actually most distributors don't actually do your residuals for you. Um, they put them on you. I know. Um, I uh, mm -hmm. uh, I've done some residuals for my clients. Um, and mm -hmm. most of the time when I deal with the DGA on that, they're just happy that I'm talking to them. Much less saying where they and actually giving them <laughs> accurate information and saying no, no, no. Here's who you need to go to to get yeah. that bit. Um, and yeah, that's, that's the the owner. That's the IP yeah. owner. Yeah, yeah. It's a. Uh, I've got. I am. Even though I'm a producer, I am very pro union. Um, the uh, a lot of us aren't, but uh, I am, and the uh, that's why I do the best to support all of our union brothers and sisters and uh i am really curious what's going to happen with the writer's strike right now but i'm not well informed on that to talk about it yeah so, I, yeah i'm already reading some stuff from the trades man i think sag's gonna do it already probably as soon as this week they're gonna join the strike sag so that's you know that's gonna put a lot of that's even on independent films oh yeah you know because let's be honest right like you know any any personally bro like you know doing the book budgets you know talking mm -hmm. to the union knowing all the union rates i personally think for the most part right like you know talking between colleagues you know uh a yahtzee and teamsters if your film's under a million dollars they kind of know that you can't afford them but mm -hmm. it is customary to at least talk to them right like hey man this is my top sheet you know based on the numbers dude there's no way that we can afford to work with you guys uh but you know it's usually a combination of just sag and dga um yeah. Like if your film's under a million dollars, but if you go to a state that's very healthy, bro, they're gonna jump you. It's happening. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like they're coming knocking on your door, like, hey, we need a, uh, we need to flip the show, right? We need to flip it. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's a. You've, as well. 
it's always best to let them know when you're playing in their backyard. Exactly. Basically, it's yeah. a it's, it's more coming, one yeah, of those ounce of prevention. Uh, yeah. Pre, uh, solves for a pound of problems. Basically, it's um. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now the. Uh, also, um, I just realized now. Um, not everybody listening might know what a Taft Hartley agreement is. Um, it's basically a agreement that allows a SAG, a non-union SAG actor to work on a union set. It has to do with a lot of legal background that I don't want to go into, mainly because I'm not mm. a lawyer. But that is the it's kind of shorthand for that in the industry for those who don't know. Um, and feel free to correct me if I was wrong on that, because you probably do a lot more. Yeah, it, it really comes down. It really comes down to the director and the producer. Like we want this actor and yeah. we're going to we're going to, you know, cut the middleman, so to speak, because you mm -hmm. tech credits background or whatever, and then you can join SAG. But you're bypassing that because you believe in this person so much that you mm -hmm. know uh, you you make your case with SAG. And like I said, I personally I, I can't even remember one time that I heard that somebody uh, that's like said no. So it's oh yeah no uh, I'm not I guess they trust as long as the rest of, yeah yeah. I mean the other thing is SAG wants to grow its membership, and uh, exactly. you do need those <laughs> they're, they're credits, smart, bro. <laughs> yeah. It's just no, a, because when you, you do need those when SAG. You're submitting the, yeah, because when you're submitting the SAG paperwork and you have non-union actors, mm -hmm. you're supposed to put their contact info and guess who's going to give them a, a call to encourage them to join the union. Yeah, so <laughs> oh, <yeah>. smart. <laughs> it's actually, yeah, sometimes yeah, it ends up cheaper to pay their first year union dues than it does to deal with the uh, Taft-Hartley paperwork and all the legal. At least that's what I've heard. Um, the, uh, I think that really only applies when you're like above 5 million though. Um, the. Probably, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Very likely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Let's talk a little bit about tax incentives like we were on the pre-roll mm. of this. So, um. Tax incentives are an ever-fluctuating thing. So if you're listening to this more than a year after this comes out, uh, you it, it, this could be totally wrong information. But um, where are... And this conversation, I think, is going to end up a lot more focused on the U.S. for tax incentives. Internationally, in the sure. EU for tax incentives, if you're really smart about using the system you can get up to like 80% of your budget covered between doing the it across like four countries yeah. and you can actually stack that. That's something is, I need to really focus on that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's very and that, powerful, man. I haven't had the opportunity, but it's in my bucket list. Yeah. I mean, it's just a, and that's also why a lot of European films are uh, less commercial than us films because they don't have as much to worry about in terms of getting their investors their money back exactly and mm -hmm. that's both good and bad um it does allow a lot more creative freedom to the uh crew but in less restriction to standard genre pictures and cast but there is also some level of less proliferation around it because they don't need to focus on making something that will actually be able to sell internationally 
So it's it's a double-edged sword, but I kind of prefer their system. But I do think that there is uh, wisdom in both ways of doing things. Um, the But speaking of the U.S., I'm in Pennsylvania these days. Pennsylvania doesn't have much of a tax incentive at all, uh, at all really. Oh. Um, but New Jersey, just across the river, does. And they're... I might be wrong on this because it's been a minute since I checked, but last I knew they were 43% at the cap and you had to meet, uh, that was once you factored for all of the additional crew restrictions, um, shooting outside of major areas, and Mm -hmm. I forget all of them, but it was kind of hard to get to that 43%. But the biggest thing that... New Jersey allowed was that as long as you use a local payroll company, you can pay out exactly. of state actors up to last I checked half a million dollars. Is that about right? That's about right. But uh, one of the things that I mentioned earlier, uh, yeah, excuse me, actually that we were discussing pre-show was one of the things that I, I personally promote in Jersey, Massachusetts, even Tennessee uh, and the key thing uh, as a film producer, you have to keep in mind that not all states allow for people who are not from that state to be included in the tax incentive because most likely your director is not going to be from that state. Mm-hmm. Some of your key producers are not going to be from that state. Your screenwriter is not going to be from that state. Uh, and obviously your actors, right? And it's, it's uh, um, I wouldn't say it's misleading. You just got to do your research, right? Like make sure... And it's actually better to get it on the phone and they're going to send a link with all the details and stuff like that. So one of the reasons that I really enjoy uh, New Jersey, Massachusetts, and Tennessee is because they allow out-of-state above the line, which is a huge cost mm-hmm. in your total budget, man. You know, sometimes up to a third of your budget is going to be above the line. And if you're not benefiting from that from that incentive, because your actors are from, you know, outside of the state, your director, which is, you know, your producers, your screenwriter, those are guys that are going to get, you know, uh, uh, they're not getting, they're getting like a salary, right? Not scale, like, you know, for your crew and stuff like that. And uh, um, it's a huge disadvantage because I know, I know people really love New Mexico, but they don't, they don't include above the state, mm-hmm. uh, excuse me, above the line out of state, which is, you know, uh, and another key thing that I very, very important that I need to mention is that Everybody uses Georgia, but Georgia has so much work. I'm talking about Marvel, Netflix. Mm-hmm. You're not going to go in there with your $2 million, you know, budget thinking that you are swinging, <laughs> swinging the, the crew, so to speak. They got options, bro. And it's, I've spoken to other filmmakers that they, if they find it very hard to crew up uh, and, you know, crew up mean that, you know, you're going to get a local user or UPM if it's all SAG and they're going to, you know, the key crew that they, you know, typically hire, you know, your gaffer, your camera ops, your uh, sound people, you know, those are a line, a good, a good line producer has those personal relationships because we're the ones that are hiring them, right? Like, you know, we're those oh, yeah. that, you know, hook them up with jobs and stuff like that. And, um, and if your film is, uh, uh, I think I spoke with a colleague a, a while back days, like the unions are not even going to look at your film if it's under two million because these cats are working on like you know these blockbuster films, man. Yeah. Uh, uh, so it can be a little challenging yeah. to crew up, and um, 
So you just gotta do a little bit of research, right? Uh, um, oh, what's that website? I, I I guarantee you know it, but it tells you all the stats as far as like you know what percentage per state, whether the uh, it starts with a K. Uh, I'll 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 send I'll I'll look for it and then I'll send it so you can include it in the production notes. But yeah. these are really and also uh, entertainment partners. Entertainment partners also has a version of that website that tells you the incentives by state. What are the key regulations, you know, to take advantage of that? And then um, then you just, you know, you uh, you start calculating that into your budget, right? Uh, yeah. Let's say if, if it's uh, like Tennessee is 25% across the board, which is really phenomenal, bro. So if mm-hmm. you got like a film under a million dollars, dude, you're going to get a nice, you know, chunk back. And uh, there's... Um, Wait, there's, there's no minimum threshold? Oh, on the Tennessee, I think it's uh, un- I think it's under hundred k or even fifty k, dude. So that's freaking awesome, that's bro. Like, like if your film is okay, like, yeah. and and it's not union, um, as far as I know, because the biggest city that they have is Nashville, right? It's definitely big in music. Yeah, so I think there's a union uh, stage like uh, stage hands for 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 concerts. That's IOTC like as that. well, but it's, uh, it's actually normally the same union. That yeah, does yeah, but yeah. Yeah, neither of the locations, which I, I found very interesting. I guess something must have happened a few years ago, but locations is not part of Ayatsi, depending on the state. Because I spoke with Chicago. I spoke with a couple of cats from Chicago uh, a few weeks ago. Um, so you just got to be... Okay, I, I've had two clients, both shot uh, uh, films at 300K. They said that Tennessee, there was hardly any red tape. The flip was really fast, like probably mm-hmm. under six uh, six months. And, you know, it was easy peasy, like really, really. Certain states, like I know New York is really notorious oh, yeah. uh, for, for you know, dishing out that that incentive back to production. And, you know, go go where it's easy, especially like depending on your budget range, right? Um, like 307, uh, 300K to 700K uh go to states where you're not gonna have uh because you're gonna need that well it depends on what's your business plan or what kind mm-hmm. of agreement you made with your investors does it go back into production where we can use that money for marketing publicity promotion or that goes back to the investor it just depends on what the entertainment attorney made in the agreement right and you know they both have a little bit of pros and cons me personally i would love to have it go back directly to investors to begin with right and 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 let's be honest. At three hundred k, you're not gonna have a lot for marketing. Maybe uh, a publicist to do a little bit of you know get you in a couple of spots. You know, get a little bit noise. Because on smaller films, it's not necessarily the audience that you're trying to attract. You're trying to attract the buyers. And if you're smart, like you know, you know that only industry professionals read the Hollywood Reporter, Variety, mm-hmm. Deadline. It's people like you know yourself executive producers distribution companies and if you get in the trades like hey well they're gonna have their assistant leg look up this guy see if they're they're uh they got to deal with somebody oh and, yeah you know they're gonna look up your trailer um uh making i, it I know e- for 100 yeah. percent. oh go ahead oh uh, yeah making it easy to be found from the trades and find the basic information and get in touch with you is generally extremely wise i've gotten a lot of distribution inquiries on a film i'm working on right now uh listed as executive producer because i am 
um, called Tim Travers and the Time Traveler's Paradox. And frankly, a lot of them are reaching out solely nice. because of cast. <laughs> nice, nice. But very the, awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that film has, this has all been in the trades and on IMDb, so I can say it, but that film has like uh, Felicia Day, uh, Danny Trejo, Joel McHale, and Keith David in it. And that's a good set that's of awesome, guests bro. That's for awesome. this budget. Congrats, <laughs> but, really cool. um, which actually brings me to another point. Yeah. Um, How important do you, as a line producer, but you were also in interest in distribution at least, um, how have you found dealing with cast and attaching cast? Because I think we're beyond the point at this conversation. Cast is not as yeah yeah. Cast is not as complicated as people think. Mm-hmm. They think that people have an obscene rate when it's it's uh, uh you'll be surprised if you can offer somebody between five to 10 K a day, they're going to buy. And this is a huge difference, right? Mm -hmm. There's a difference between a name and a face. I know that actor, but I don't remember his name, but I'll watch it because I've seen him in a bunch of cool stuff. So there's a difference between a name and a face on films under a million dollars. You're going to get faces, right? Like you're Mm going to get, you know, really well-respected actors who have like huge amount of work, even fan bases and stuff like that. And, you know, people want to work. And um, I always felt like if, if the producer has distribution agree, uh, distribution experience, like they have a minimum of at least three films that hit the market, mm-hmm. the, 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 the agent and the manager, are they're going to trust you more. Because like, okay, this is not going to be lost in some bin and it's mm-hmm. never going to see the light of day. We're talking to experienced producers who have a track record of getting the films in the market, right? So they're going to, they'll play ball, man. You just got to give them a, a, a number that your budget can afford, right? Like even at a, um, discuss, uh, SAG has a clause called schedule, uh, schedule F. Mm-hmm. That means that you can offer any actor, prominent actor, preferably $65,000 to be in your film. It could be for one day or it could be for like the whole show. Even at 700K as a line producer, it's it's a little challenging because you still got to, you know, you still got to go down your line, right? You still got, you know, your oh, yeah. crew, you got polls, you got deliverables, you got your other talent. Uh, but if, it were, if, if it's worth the sacrifice, then take it, man. Like, you know, you got to, if, if you're raising money at that level independently, you know, just 100% equity, uh, it's worth the risk, but everybody in your crew has to play ball with that, you know, with some modifications, right? Because we're not doing, <laughs> most likely if you're under a million, you're not going to do a Yahtzee anyway. And and me as a as a small business owner, as a line producer, mm-hmm. uh, what I prefer to do, like my my DP friend, right? He owns, he owns a three-ton grip truck, grip and lighting truck. He has two 4K cameras. He has prime lenses. And I just go up to him and go, hey, oh, Daniel, this is my budget. Give me a fair day rate where you feel like you're going to get paid. Cause I can't afford to pay them per item, right? Like give me a package oh, yeah. deal. And that's the way that, you know, cause we're, we're small business, bro. We can't play at that level where, you know, we're, we're, pay, we're paying a premium for your lenses or your camera package. Like give us a good deal where you know that you're going to make some, a little bit of cash. You know, we're going to be shooting for 21 to 25 days or less. 
mm-hmm. you know, come play ball with us and then, you know, try to give a fair rate for, for your second and first uh, uh, key positions. And then you just play ball, right? You, you get on set and you just shoot. Yeah. No, I mean, the all independent films, especially those made for the ultra low budget range mm-hmm. or the even the just low budget range to a degree are made through calling in every mm-hmm. favor you've ever had basically especially well, absolutely for, yeah, it's there's, <laughs> absolutely, there's no bro. way they get done otherwise it's, save a book. yeah well, it's just the math <laughs> it's yeah. impossible <laughs> and uh yeah and you're right about uh agents dealing with um producers with notable distribution experience in a very that's a key way. bro that's a key. yeah it's then you're, you're at the level where you can make a couple of calls and like hey this is my track record this is what I've done, these are the budget ranges and, and people are going to pick up your phone. They're going to pick up, they're going to answer your email or they're going to, you know, mm-hmm. return that voice message or have that assistant give you a call. Right. And it's, it's, uh, and I've, I think you have to have at least three, uh, three films under your belt to start, yeah. you know, looking for money on your own. Cause it's, uh, you, you go through the, through the whole process from the, from the script breakdown, like the first thing I get, uh, uh, I get hired for is to give a, a script breakdown, shoot, doing mm-hmm. budget, and then you know once once the EP or the one of the producers calls me like, hey man, we got funding, let's start doing payroll, let's start doing production insurance. As soon as you pay for production insurance, that's when it's real. <laughs> that's, that's when the the ball's rolling. Like you know, you're you're you're. Uh, I hadn't thought of that, but that is a really good benchmark. No, that's when it, yeah, that's when yeah. it becomes real. Like you, there's no turning back. Like you're already spending money. The minute you spend your first dollar, it's real. Like you yeah. know, you're, you're trying to hold it yeah. as long as humanly possible. But the first thing you do is production insurance, and then you start, you know, doing you know payroll. You know, call the payroll companies and 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 uh, get your uh, uh, workers' comp insurance and all that good jazz, man. And then you're mm-hmm. you're good to go. You're good yeah. to go. No, you're right. One, um, we mentioned the fees for cast and all of that, and they can be pretty notable. I've seen a lot of those numbers, and they get scary real fast for independent films, especially. Um, but you got to negotiate, bro. Oh, you the, have to negotiate. The, the There's only the so far you can negotiate, there. but you do have to negotiate. Of course. Also, those negotiate, yeah, yeah. Those faces that you, um, those faces that are faces to a general audience are often not just faces yeah. to those in working in sales and distribution and acquisitions, because um, absolutely, that's we actually understand that face thing. But if we know their name, we know that our audience might not. But we do know they'll when they'll recognize a face, mainly because we know what did well in Probably our that, territory. Yeah. And that's part of why mm-hmm. the localization model is still the best one, in my opinion. Um, I don't think that I think it can make sense to self-distribute for a lot of films in your home territory. Um, like probably for most of the people listening to this, that would be the US and maybe North America. Um but you still want to work with a sales agent for international because yeah. there you're just not going to know how to market a horror film to Bulgaria 
Whereas <laughs> it, it's yeah, <laughs> it's a very yeah, different thing. Well, what's the what's the, yeah. what's the market value in Bulgaria? You know, it could be five thousand, it could be two thousand. I don't know. Yeah, that's, a good question, so that's right? why it's uh, like you, you just kind of uh, need to know a sales agent, and that's why, like, I think they're going to be the last <laughs> to go in this pay chain, frankly. Um, but the uh, mm. it's <laughs> it, it is something where I've had people push back on me because I am very in favor of traditional distribution. I mean, I've done it a lot and I see the different levels of the system and how it works, but I can also see why people don't want to deal with distributors in general. We are a, uh, the best way I've ever heard it put um, was by a former business partner of mine who uh, this was for production next in those days for the like three people who have followed me that long. Um, the uh, hi mom. Um, the <laughs> I because um, I've been following you for a good minute, buddy. <laughs> yes, no, that was a. Uh, but the uh, was that AFM is basically a bunch of guys in polyester stu- suits walking around a hotel. Uh, getting um, <laughs> buying movies for their hotel chain in Kazakhstan and it's <laughs> it's not it's an oversimplification but not as much as you might think um, The uh, yeah. most of the time you're not dealing with the people who uh, release Marvel movies in yeah those major companies sometimes you are when you are it's because they it's a very small territory and there just aren't that many distributors yeah. but most of the time that's not the case so you just kind of have to keep, go in mind thinking that and understand that some of your sales agents marketing decisions are based on that market they're not always right i want to be clear sales agents and distributors yeah mess up marketing a lot but um it is a but it's it's another layer of abstraction that you as a filmmaker are probably not thinking about as you're doing this um but that all kind of that got off got on a little bit of a tangent what i was trying to say is one of the most reliable ways to get money to pay for cast especially to up the value of the cast is if you have a producer on board who can pre-sell your film in North America, because if you can actually get a North American pre-sale, which most of the middle and larger tier distributors are still buying through not exclusively, but primarily. Um, Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, especially the bigger players what they pay for it is that they will pay exactly for cast. They will pay enough for you to get the cast you need to sell it. And that will be your out for North America. That's just, that's, 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 uh, that's very significant, man. Cause that could cover a good chunk of uh, the total budget. Yeah. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. No, it's that's like, does go to the cast. yeah, it's, you still have to hustle on the back end. Um, but you now have with your sales agent, you now have a much better cast, which will 
dramatically increase your sales. Both the number of sales you close overseas that come with an MG, as well oh, as absolutely. the size of those sales. Like most films only get like eight to 10 uh, international sales if your sales agent's doing good well. Or, or decent. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. It's a lot. It's a lot less. It, it, it's not like everybody's selling the world. It's enough of a thing when somebody sells an independent film across the globe, the entire market ecosystem knows that person did that because like sells every yeah. territory on the list. That's how rare it is. Yes. It ha and yeah. I've heard of it happening once and it was a while ago and it's probably happened a couple of times since then, almost certainly. But mm -hmm. this was Wonderful, um, Phil Gorn of Wonderful. And he actually sold the entire world for a film, which I don't remember what film that was offhand, but um, I know Phil, so I know the story. And for the next two years, everybody was talking about that. So that's <laughs> a thing. Um, anyway, so that is... So... In order to get the film, we're really talking a lot about completed films here, but um, mm -hmm. you and I both do business plans, decks, and uh, other mm -hmm. sort of early stage investment documents and planning um, for yeah. clients. Um, what are some of the things you've learned over doing that that would be a... Uh, that are worth sharing here like the filmmaker clients that i have that have been successful and what i mean by successful they actually raised the money to shoot their films mm -hmm. they uh pitched to investors and you know they got finance right and the key thing that i learned that somewhere in that that it depends on the project right some I'm just a work for hire, right? I do the budget, the shooting schedule, the pitch deck, the business plan, uh, a spec poster, sometimes a mood reel. Uh, and if the client can afford it, uh, when I do a pitch deck, and I encourage every filmmaker to do some variation of this, is uh, uh, shoot professional stills for your pitch deck. Mm -hmm. Grab a couple of actors. If it's a horror film, you know, I'm talking about under a thousand bucks, bro. Like, you know, out of pocket, mm -hmm. you know, paying your photographer or feeding, you know, a couple of actors. If it's a horror, hiring a special effects makeup artist for the day and just do a whole photo shoot. So when the way that I love uh, referring to my style of pitch checks, I want it to feel like those old school flip books where it was, there's a little animation. Like you flip the little book and you see this little cartoon character kind of like like doing some kind of little thing. Yeah. So when your yeah. potential investor, or if you're trying to attract a more experienced producer or an EP, they're going to like subconsciously look at your pitch deck. And cause you have these photos that are mimicking the tone, the, the style of your screenplay. They can start. See, well, obviously they're seeing some, some of it, right. They're, they're going through the, uh, the pitch deck and like they can start kind of like subliminally start seeing it right 
And if the, the filmmaker can't afford to do an original photo shoot, then, you know, we look at, you know, super high end, you know, uh, stock, uh, stock photos. Right. Because mm -hmm. it's we're in a visual medium, bro. Like and, and it really baffles me and it, it kind of makes me a little upset when certain film filmmakers can't even do the bare minimum of of like, you know, find that extra mile, whether it's a proof of concept, mm -hmm. uh mini trailer, a scene of your film, and you know, they're hitting you up for, you know, financial resources and you know, uh it's a visual medium. Do show me something. Dude. I don't care if it's a it's a concept art or a mock poster or you know, uh, uh, something to show me visually what you're trying to accomplish with this with this with this screenplay. So back to the point where 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 I felt that the filmmakers who have uh, successfully raised money, they had that one person. I'm I saw I need to come up with a better term, but I just call it the Rolodex person. You know, the Rolodex guy, that person that knows everybody and they're connected to some form of business that's relevant to the script. I'm going to give you a couple of case studies that that I that I uh, some of my people have uh, <clears throat> uh, successfully raised the money. Right. And I'll start off with uh, <clears throat> a film called Salvage Yard Shine Boys. It's a blue collar Americana, salt of the earth kind of film. Uh, and uh, the EP, who was also the director, he used to be an actor in a very prominent TV show. And when he went to Tennessee, he literally found one of his biggest fans, uh, who happened to be this Rolodex guy, who knew everybody in the community. Uh, uh, business, not not per like also like you know socially, but also uh, through business, right? And he's the one that set up all these meetings for the EP. Uh, uh, who was also the director and, and an actor, and um, he flew to, to Tennessee for four days. I think it was six days, but like we had four days of actual old school pitching. You know what I mean? Like where your investors like right in front of your face. But this Rolodex guy, he set up like fifteen meeting, uh, fifteen um, uh, meetings throughout that those four days that we were there and like uh, uh when it was all said and done i think it was like 85k like check right there boom like it total like 5k and that film total budget was uh 300k and then it took him a, an additional few months to to get the rest of the money and then my other filmmaker client he had this political drama uh and it was at a time where politics was really really charged and once again the people who ended up investing in the film were people who were very very politically active you know what i mean like they were like they that's their life and um to go back to the 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 americana film uh we were just like about 50 miles outside of nashville so that whole radius of 50 miles including Nashville, um you will be surprised dude how many blue collar High to mid to to high six figure millionaires plus millionaires make their money in in what people would consider like blue collar work, right? Oh yeah. So they have expendable income. They have expendable income to 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 play. Like a lot of them had you know bars, restaurants, outside of the the thing that was making them the most money. 
And for my political film, uh, these were just super high-end millionaires who were just politically charged, right? Mm -hmm. So I started seeing that pattern that, you know, in one sense or another, your your script is going to tell you who your investors are going to eventually be. Uh, uh, and seeing it from that lens, right? Uh, and I'm going to give you the perfect example, right? Right now, I'm, uh, uh, I'm producing... Um, a paranormal documentary. It's called The Deadly Dogman. Now, the urban myth, whether you believe in the paranormal or not, uh, the urban myth is that, you know, thousands of years ago, UFOs came and they genetically modified our, what we consider the werewolf, right? Like, not not like a real werewolf, like a, the monster version of a werewolf. And there's this creepy hybrid <laughs> called, the, and they call it Deadly Dogman, right? So me and my partners, I have three partners. We have a joint venture agreement. We all earn, we all own a third of the of the thing, right? So we were sitting down like, and like, dude, who is gonna be who's gonna finance this film, right? And to begin with, it's only 150k. And we were just brainstorming and brainstorming, and then it just hit me, dude. It just hit me like really quickly. It's sporting goods uh 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 audience. And what I mean by sporting uh, sporting goods is people who do hunting, camping, fishing. Okay. Very outdoorsy. They do like if you do just basic research, dude. They spend a lot of money on that just for that sense of physical adventure, like you know whether it's hunting or you know camping or fishing, archery. And dude, we did a I hired a, a PA to do some local uh, research uh, just in Texas. Mm -hmm. We're just talking Texas and Texas is a huge, 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 you know, sporting goods kind of state. Right. And right now I'm looking for is that Rolodex guy, somebody who's already done business with, you know, multiple chains. And we're talking about, you know, straight up millionaires that own small businesses that cater to this community. Right. Because what we wanted to do is uh, 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 my special effects makeup artist, who's one of my partners, uh, he owns a couple of acres in the country, right? So what anybody who invests in the film, you know, we want to take them into, we want to take them on a paranormal tour, right? You know, just as a thank you or just to kind of get their bloods going where we're going to set up, you know, they're going to know it's fake and you know, we're not trying to be misleading, but given that sense, basically giving them a haunted house kind of experience, right? Uh, just to kind of encourage them to <laughs> to uh, 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 drop some cash. So, and once again, we go back to the math, right? If I'm trying to raise 150K for this documentary, that means I need 50 people to buy one unit at $3,000. Asking for $3,000, dude, is easy, bro. Three thousand is any, a anybody, hell of a lot easier than. Uh, I mean, it does become really, a little bit really of an investor easy. relations nightmare. Um, but would you use like WeFunder for that, or would you just do it? No, on your own. Okay, just straight, 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 straight. I uh uh, once again, the audience, like the people who are potentially gonna be in They're not your film, yeah, they no, wouldn't sure. go through. They wouldn't go through a, a program like that. They want to see you face to face, shake your hand. And write you the check or do a direct deposit right there and then, right? 
Yeah. So if we're only asking for three thousand, yeah, three thousand dollars for fifty units, uh, also consider they also call units points. But my entertainment lawyer always calls it units, so I, I don't use points anymore. But it's, it's the same thing. Units uh, are not; they're slightly different. Um, in this case, it would be I'm not a lawyer, but uh, not legal advice. But yeah, in general, <laughs> units would reply would refer to the actual thing that holds the ownership of it. On a film, it would more oh, be okay. points, which is just an allocation of the back end, basically. So, like when you're talking to an actor, sure. okay, you cool. want to use points. When you're mm. talking to selling shares of an investment, you'd want to use yeah, uh, yeah, units. But again, not a lawyer. Talk to yours. Um, the uh, sure. yeah, your podcast. <laughs> um, but the uh, no, that's that's really interesting. Um, have you considered going like the series route instead of the documentary route? Eventually, we that we want to use this as a showpiece to do possibly an episodic. Uh, and just a just a quick note: an investor can buy more than one unit. Oh, entirely. Just because I'm yeah. offering instead of trying, yeah. Instead of me trying to find 50 people, there can be a pool of five people and each one of them by 10 and boom, there, you're funded. Yeah. Uh, um, and that's one of the things that, that, that I learned. It took me a long time because, you know, money, um, I was an actor before I got into production. I majored in acting. Um, and then uh, a friend of mine called me and go, hey, do you need a PA? And go, what's a PA? He goes, oh, do you just do whatever they tell you? I'm like, okay, cool. It was a huge <laughs> Target commercial, dude. We're, back then, back then we're millimeter. And guess who the director was, dude? Uh, go back a second because you uh, stalled out on my end. Sure. As I mentioned, uh, my first job was on a huge Target commercial. Mm-hmm. And the director was Albert Hughes. Albert Hughes is the director of uh, From Hell from uh, Menace to Society, Book of Eli. And that was the first time that I uh, saw BlackBerry, bro. Because the, the second AD goes, goes uh, hey, dude, that's the director. Just follow him and do whatever he tells you. So my first gig was with Albert Hughes on this huge-ass Target commercial. And like, and it changed everything, right? Like seeing behind the scenes and stuff like that. So I remember asking, of all the questions I could have asked him, right? Dude, what is that? He goes, oh, dude, this is a BlackBerry. And I'm like, oh, dude, and I became like a huge BlackBerry guy for like ten years until they couldn't keep up or whatever. Yeah. Um, but one of I the most a, important things I've learned, huh? Go ahead. I had a Windows phone for a little bit that was very much like oh, really? a BlackBerry. It was nice. <laughs> I uh, really do miss BlackBerry, but they just couldn't keep up. Uh, the most, I, the most important thing I learned about you know um, pitching to investors is they're going to invest regardless so why not your film they're going to that, that same investment can go to bitcoin it can go to real estate open in some restaurant it could be in timeshares real estate so they're gonna invest regardless and that's mm-hmm. like that like it's like a mental shift that you have to kind of like you know tell yourself like hey money to them is money you know they want it they want to make the money work right um and then uh i think it might be too short of a time but you know definitely do some research on some of the benefits some of the tax breaks that some of these investors can get if they invest in 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 film but once again talk to your or your accountant 
and they'll give you the gist on that. Um, and it's uh, it just comes down to sales, bro. Yeah, to no, be I mean, honest, look, it, man, it comes down to sales. It, it's comes down to sales and having the right team more than anything, I think. Because absolutely, yeah, you do have to, yes, and these people team. do not leave their money stationary, it's never just sitting in a savings account, um, or even exactly. a CD. It just needs to, they need to have someplace to put it where it can make more money. And film is definitely an investment opportunity, but you have to be really, really, really buttoned up because film, like most investments, frankly, lose money. Most films lose money. Most investments lose money. Yeah, and I think film, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's... But film... It's a high risk investment. You actually need to oh, you can't just approach mom and pop on this. You actually, according to the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, you actually need to be dealing with primarily uh, high net worth individuals who uh, are also known as accredited investors. And mm-hmm. that's the big thing is making sure they meet that qualification. At that point, you need to be truthful in everything you're saying, but you can actually talk to them without... Yeah too much limitation now there are some things that allow you to talk to lower income people but in lower yeah. income unaccredited. Meaning, yeah. yeah unaccredited um thanks to the jobs act but it is or reg d crowdfunding which is what we funder is which is equity crowdfunding but you need to just keep in mind that no matter what you're probably going to be better if you can get into a community of high net worth individuals who fall into that accredited investor status, just because you're going to be significantly more likely to raise more in a small bite and not be taking a couple hundred bucks oh, at yeah. a time, as well as just being able to talk to people who understand that investment inherently has risks and if they just wanted a low risk thing they'd put everything in an index fund and they wouldn't be seeking investment conversations at all i have several friends who are in that category who will never ever ever give me a money for that for a film um because all their money's in index funds and they just want to think about it basically and i have other people who will but yeah most accountants are Going to need you to go back a sec. Film falls under what they call an alternative investment. And it's usually 5% of whatever that total net worth is, right? So uh, mm-hmm. um, so that's a good meter as well to, to calculate. Like if, if the general idea that this guy's worth, you know, net worth is like about 2 million, you know, 5% of that, you know, you're looking at about like 100K, right? So that's the most that they would play with on their, on their uh, uh, alternative investment kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, man, and it's money's like uh, like I said, it, it's it's a it's a big hurdle because like I said, I didn't, I don't come from that you know uh, uh, that world. It was something that I really had to cultivate and really learn, and you know try to you know consume everything like humanly possible, and then like real experience, real life experience. There's nothing like real life experience, right? To to get you mm-hmm. get you up to speed and stuff like that. Um, but the money's there, bro. That the, there's money's all there. It's just really. 
um, making a commitment that if, if look, if you're not a natural salesperson, you're going to have to partner with somebody that is, and mm -hmm. you know, whether it's an experienced uh, EP producer or preferably somebody. And, and to go back to that whole roller dicks guy, all of these guys, um, were natural salespeople that were not in the film industry, mm -hmm. real estate, or, you know, people like car, even car salesmen do like, think of your average car, you're looking at about, you know, 20 K, right. Or like, if it's real estate, you're looking at about 150 K to 300 K, right. Just for mid-level, uh, I mean, you know, like a decent little house or whatever. Right? So those kind of people, when you tell them like, Hey, I, I got units, uh, each unit is going to be between three thousand to Six thousand or fourteen thousand; those are not numbers that scare them, because they're doing every freaking day, regardless, right? Uh, uh, and 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 be, and if you're not a natural salesperson and you're trying to approach an executive producer or producer, uh, your strongest weapon is still going to be your screenplay and you know a really well-made you know pitch deck to open that door. Because I, I like you know you be an experienced producer, you just see a script. You see a mood reel or you see a proof of concept like, dude, this is a winner. I'm going to take that risk to, you know, continue the station with this, you know, this filmmaker, whether it's a director, screenwriter, or like, you know, a low level producer that's trying to move up to that next level. You already see the risk because in some form of fashion, they've done the legwork, right? They might not be good with the money, like, you know, raising money, but you're going to take that gamble because like, oh, dude, this is a good project. They did some... They proved to me that, you know, with very many resources, they can present something that's going to grab grab my attention. Yeah, no, that's totally right. Um, for me personally, when I'm vetting a project, um, I look first at the lookbook they send me, which is normally, mm -hmm. which is like a deck, but more creative. A deck is more for an investor. A uh, yeah. lookbook's more for a studio. Exactly. Or ep um slightly different audience a lot of the same information i did a blog series on it um the uh another one and then after that it's generally the team in the package um there's often not much of a package when it starts um when they're approaching me but the team makes a lot of the team can make a big difference for me a lot of times I'm dealing with first time directors and that's honestly really, really hard. Um, it's yeah. a lot of times your first film, you kind of have to finance yourself somehow because people or keep it under 75 K. Yeah. It has to be like, if it's your first film, do it under 75 K. That's a combination of donations, crowdfunding, you know, credit cards or whatever. But you're you're gonna you're gonna be limited, and obviously there's there's plenty of filmmakers that mm -hmm. worked under that scale that you know I found some minor success, and it's just the next step. And get a to get a great example of that. To another, yeah. I'll but, actually yeah. have that as uh, part of my list that I would love to discuss. Either probably not today, but there's three films that are are giving me hope for theatrical releases for smaller films, dude. Like, three solid films, and Skin and Marink is one of them, man. Um, did you very know impressed that I signed did. that? Actually, the main actress. Did you know that I'm actually the one no, who did the acquisition I don't think... deal for that? <laughs> I spoke with the main actress on LinkedIn, dude. Uh, dude yeah. Oh, dude, I can't wait to see it. I haven't watched it, but I'm following it really, really, like, 
Yeah. To the T. Uh, nefarious is another one. Yeah. Probably most likely shot for. It done six million in the box office. I know it's probably gonna do, uh, equally in VOD and then put whatever licensing agreements they get with you know uh, exclusive deals that they get. They're gonna do really really well. Uh, the other one was uh Jesus Revolution. Uh, that did really phenomenal in the box office. Uh, I thought their budget was a little high, but I, I'm pretty sure I could have shot it for like half of that. But you know, mm -hmm. it wasn't my call. But I know they did really well, and they're gonna do really. But once again, those two of those films were from really experienced uh, executive producers that had like a body of work that, and and more importantly, they had a a loyal fan base that you know they tapped into again. Yeah, I mean, really, I think one. So just to be totally clear here, since I mentioned that I did do the acquisition uh, work on the initial acquisition work on Skin and I want to be very clear in that I credit IFC with how well that film did. That was a, IFC yeah, and Shutter. Yeah. Those two together are really, Adam, Emily, and Sam are really the ones who made that work. I want to be clear that I'm not like, taking glory on that because it happened right as i was no, selling no, 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 absolutely not but, still, but it it yeah. was a uh i am so happy that that film did so well um the but yeah so i think at that point um we're going to move to the three questions i ask all of my guests <laughs> and i am going to say the oh. I'm going to give you the first one first, but it often takes a second to think about, so you can answer the first one second and the second one first. It's the offer sure. I make to all my guests. So the first one is what are your top three favorite movies as it stands right this second now? They can change in 10 minutes, but the first just one vibes where it is. Yeah. The first one's gonna be Old Boy, uh, Korean, uh, Korean drama. A good movie by one of my, well, actually my favorite director. Uh, the second, um, there's a, a film called uh, Bowed by Honor, uh, that was shot by a prominent director that that I'm, I constantly revisit. Um, through a horror one there, because it's it, it it fluctuates by my mood on a daily basis you know they they keep on rotating but my third favorite film visually there was a film it was an adaptation of shakespeare uh a shakespearean play called titus that was directed by julie uh tamor and it starred anthony hopkins and it's aesthetically it just looks freaking just gorgeous bro beautiful powerful performances it's just really enthralling kind of uh kind of film um, but I think the 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 film that wanted me to even consider possibly becoming a director or becoming a filmmaker was uh, Darren um, Aronofsky's Pie. That changed yeah. everything for dude. When I saw that film, I was like, oh wow! I saw the I saw the power of cinema, right? Like, and I'm uh I'm really into some really esoteric kind of stuff, and I finally found somebody that had a similar voice to to what got my wheels going, right? So yeah, he's mm -hmm. he's an amazing director. Nice. Okay, that that those were really good picks. Um, next, if you could go back in time 
and give yourself one piece of advice. When, what would that advice be? And when would you give it to yourself? I think I was uh, 23, 24 when I had my first day job. Um, I think I should have, I would have tell myself, cultivate um, uh, how to feel really, really comfortable in social gatherings. Because I think it's me, my my personal persona, I actually wrote a really cool blog about personality types and how that affects us like when we're trying to raise money right you know some of us are a little bit more introverted some of us are a little bit more logistical some of us are social butterflies some of us are just action 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 like hey i want to talk about this do do it do it do it and if i had to go revisit myself i would say dude you it's you need people to be in actors but like that that's the the flip side uh uh with actors screenwriters the artists of of our group extremely well that's like that's where i feel very like i'm i'm not shy i'm not introverted like i'm super open humor comes out uh but when it comes to small talk or like you know general people unless i'm already coming in with a plan like if it's just like that um that's something I wish I would have really, really focused on early on. Like I'm obviously doing it now, like the last couple of years where, but it's not like my, my strong suits, so to speak. Right. Yeah. Uh, and obviously it, when you see other producers who are extremely, a lot more social, they're, they're the wine and diners, obviously they can be way more successful. Right. So I have to go back to my reputation, having like really hard work ethic you know an impeccable reputation and i still get you know i still get a lot but you know just they might say like uh uh um might not have a beer with them but i trust them to to manage the project with this money so to speak right but that's built more out of reputation and stuff like that but you you can't get investors you you know convince uh prestigious actors dps sales agents if if you don't you know your your social emotional your awareness so to speak right i wish i really would have focused that uh early on uh because uh, when looking back you see all the missed opportunities bro like, damn dude like i had like multiple times i had somebody i could have pitched and they were like oh wow you make movies blah blah blah. like mm-hmm. let's talk you know send it send, send this thing to my thing but you know once again something that i'm definitely working on uh uh, uh but that's something i think i really would have Put it like right in my face like hey bro like open up better you know use humor do whatever to kind of like you know charm people or like, just to open people up right because you know we're social animals to begin with right uh um and people want to feel uh cool especially like film man it still has a really cool factor to it right like uh still a little bit of it's been a little demystified uh, demystified you know mm-hmm uh, because of you know the digital age, but you know I still think that there's still a little bit of mystique, you know, when it's done really, really well. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, and that's a good bit of advice. It is. It's very much a relationship business, and uh, being mm-hmm. good at chit chat carries yeah. a lot more weight than you might expect. Um, oh, absolutely, bro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So 
finally, where can people find you and what are you looking for? Okay, you can find me on my website, which is www.filmbusinessplan.com. And then you can Google my name, Jesus Fuentes, and you'll find me. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and you can find me on uh, IMDb. You know, you can verify my my um, my film credits. I have a lot of recommendations LinkedIn and also testimonials on my website from previous, you know, uh, film clients and I have some pretty some decent names up there too man people who worked in the studio system people who are working with the network system that you know just you know trust me man uh, um, um, uh, I know what I know but I, I'm always trying to like you know put my my ears always to the ground you mm -hmm. know trying to capture whatever's going on man and, and, and trying to you know give some advice to any uh, film clients that I have man and as far as what I'm looking for, bro, um, film is hard, bro. It's very hard. I don't know what your financial, everybody has a financial success meter, right? Mm -hmm. For some young DP guy, dude, if he's making 50K a year, dude, you know, that covers his general expenses, he's good, right? Mm -hmm. People, you know, of, of you know, certain, certain age, you know, I want to hit, you know, 90K, 100K, whatever your financial, where you, you know, you can live decently and still pursue film, dude, because film requires full immersion, bro. It doesn't want anything less, bro. Like, and what I mean by full immersion, like it has to be part of who you are, whether you're actor, DP, director, sales agent, like it requires your full attention. And we, and some of us still don't make it right. Mm -hmm. So when, 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 like, if I, if it's just a general, right, like, you know, like, you know, um, obviously I'm in the service business. Um, but one of the things I, I, uh, I can pick up really quickly on is, is, uh, if they have a general respect for the craft, even if you're in inexperienced, right? Like they have a general like respect for the craft of filmmaking and the business of filmmaking, right? Like the, uh, I don't know what it is. I can kind of pick it up. I can uh, pick up when he's just doing it for, um, for uh, not that I'm some holy priest or anything, but like, you know, they're just doing it for the wrong reasons, right? They're yeah. Very, you know, uh, uh, and I just, you know, kind of politely just pass, man. Uh, obviously passing the filmmakers bro even if it's your first time time you're a little jaded but you got that love for filmmaking dude yeah man i'll roll with you bro but it, no, that, it's a it's definitely a very challenge <laughs> it is an ex obscene if you find my sense of humor yeah. funny then it's even better <laughs> that, that helps a lot um the i like to think i'm funny but i think my wife disagrees um really? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um no, and you're right. And one just one thing about passion, because it's always kind of been a bee in my bonnet. Um, mm. You never, if you're actually passionate, you should never have to say the words you are passionate. It comes that, out in your voice. That's what I mean. Full immersion. Yeah. You can tell when somebody's like loves the craft, like you know, whether it's a screenwriter, a DP, an actress, an actor. You just, you just kind of there's something about it that you can't fake, bro. Like you can't. Like this it person, comes really, out even if they're like, yeah, oh yeah, it's it's totally a thing. 
anyway, uh, Jesus, thank you so much for coming on. You are welcome back. Ben, thank you so much, brother, man. Thank uh, you, sir. Appreciate it, brother. Yeah. So, and to those of you watching at home or on the go or listening, uh, this has been the Movie Moolah podcast. I am Ben Yenny. And uh, if you want to get more content like this, you should check out my mailing list, uh, which also comes with a free uh, film business resource packet, which includes a deck template, a free ebook, a free white paper, and a lot of other templates and money-saving resources, as well as a monthly content digest sent to you automatically that will help you learn and grow your film career on a easy-to-manage basis for almost any timeline. Thank, uh, also, while you're here, please like and subscribe on whatever platform you're watching this on, and if you're on YouTube, hit that bell so you know when I drop new podcasts. Thanks very much, guys. Thank you, brothers. Peace.